When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. I think I want a little more headspace, a little less chest space. Consequence Podcast Network. And welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thank you so much for making your way here, checking out the series. Uh, you know what to do. If you uh, like what you hear, hit that subscribe button. I put out three new interviews every single week, so it's a great way to keep up with all of your favorite artists, discover some new ones, know what's happening in the music world. You can do so at iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today I'm talking with Gabe Liebman about the new Netflix animated series called Q-Force. Uh, we're going to hear all about how the adult animation series uh, about a group of LGBT super spies picks up from his work on Pen15, Big Mouth, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, he's also going to get into uh, creating the concept based on an idea from Sean Hayes, who also starred as the lead character, representing so many different types of queer, uh, making a show that's queer forward, and getting a strong message across while still writing comedy. Now, Liebman also breaks down some of the cultural references used, such as uh, L.A. Confidential and The Princess Diaries, taking inspiration from Mission Impossible and the Jason Bourne series, and the amazing cast that includes Wanda Sykes, David Harbour, Gary Cole, Patty Harrison, Laurie Metcalf, and tons of cameos from other comedians. So let's do this, discussing Netflix's Q-Force. It's Kyle Meredith with Gabe Liebman. Hello. Uh, this really was fun. I, I would tell you, I didn't know everything about it when I, when I got into it. I, I kind of knew the, the, the general setup and everything. So really walking into it with as much of, you know, going into it blind as possible, it's just surprise after surprise after surprise. Yay. So, I'm so happy to hear that. Thank you. Yeah. I obviously want to hear how this all came to be because, you know, for anybody who follows you, um, mm-hmm. I feel like your work on Pin15, on Big Mouth, and, and everything else, but especially those two, were made you like one of the perfect people to be working on this project where did it come from well um the initial like very seed of the idea actually came from sean hayes uh the star of the show um he and his uh producing partner todd milliner uh they have a production company they do wonderful work um they had like this tiny seed of an idea literally just three words gay james bond and they were like 
there's something here. Um, but they needed a writer and they needed like someone to like work with them to build it out and develop it. And um, I was lucky enough to be called in to chat with them. And I'm a huge action movie fanatic. I love the James Bond series. I love Jason Bourne. I love Mission Impossible. That whole genre really is like, you know, my bread and butter for what I love to watch. Um, so I jumped at the idea to develop this with them. And I kind of went away for a couple of weeks and I came back to them with Q-Force, which is like not gay James Bond, <laughs> basically. <laughs> what if it's, what if gay James Bond isn't gay James Bond, um, but more of like an ensemble uh, piece and, um, more of an underdog story, you know, like what if you were James Bond, but like no one believed you because you're gay. Um, and that just seemed funny to me. And the ensemble, like I wanted to just tell a bigger story. Um, and I also wanted to like have a way in that wasn't like pro surveillance state <laughs> also, you know, so it was just a sort of like underdoggy edgier way in. Well, especially making that ensemble, I mean, you're able to represent so many versions of queer, uh, you know, as you go in into that. Uh, and I would love to hear about that process as well, because uh, obviously there's so many more versions beyond this, but there's a, a, a huge slice of the culture that's that's right there on the screen, uh, represented in each different character specifically. Yeah, I wanted to just sort of take this opportunity, which is a golden opportunity. There's not a lot of, you know, uh, queer entertainers who get like a studio like Universal behind them to say like create something that's LGBTQ forward. So I was like, you know, this is a golden opportunity. I can't like waste it. Um, so it was just really important to me and our four main characters to have gay people, lesbian people, trans people uh, represented from the start because, you know, that's our community and everyone's fight is you know, together, um, or it should be, <laughs> at least. Um, so I just, I felt like what a wasted opportunity this would be if we just told the story of this gay guy, you know, because um, it's not really the story of the community. It's not a, It's not seizing the bull by the horns in any way. Yeah, it's interesting the way you said it, or it should be, because when you go back and, and here's the dangerous words, read the comments on, oh, the, on the trailer, <laughs> you know, you get to that point where I think a lot of people were skeptical, you know, that uh, even the people that, uh, what do you say, you're on the same side of, you still have the potential to piss off in some way going into yeah. a project like this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the scrutiny is there. Like when you're a part of a community, I think your community really has super high expectations um, and they don't want to be embarrassed by you and they don't want you to fuck it up. Um, so that's the feeling, you know. Um, hopefully I didn't embarrass anyone and I, hopefully I didn't fuck it up, but, um, you know, you, uh, I think if we were living in a world where there was 9 billion queer forward shows on TV, then I think everyone would feel perfectly represented and maybe the, you know, the heat would be lower, but that's just not the reality. Like as much as there's more, you know, there's more shows now than ever that feature characters that are trans or bi or, or gay. Um, we're still not at a place where there's a ton, you know, there's more than there ever has been, but there's still a need for more. Especially in animation, like I was trying to think off the top of my head, like mainstream animation, we're as close as you can get to it with showing lots and lots of animated penises uh, throughout an entire <laughs> show. But uh, but like, the, like even for as much uh, gay queer representation that is in film and television right now and animation, that's, that doesn't, like I can't name another one 
like to this caliber off the top of my head? Yeah, I mean, I think that we really are like um, in the mainstream in, in a way that like a lot of like more um, beloved, but perhaps like alt shows like Steven Universe are not, you know, um, are not given the thrust and the the industry, you know, oomph behind them the way we are. So the representation is out there, but it could always be more. And yeah, we, I mean, I just, I pinch myself to think that this is by Universal Television and it's going out on Netflix in every country and every language. It's just, it's really bananas. But you do tell big stories during this. You tell really <laughs> important stories, uh, you know, sandwiched between some really amazing jokes as you go along. But, uh, you know, you talk about community. It does seem like community is a big part of this conversation in, in, in here. Um, family, finding relationships. Uh, there's conversion therapy that happens early on in it. Like, I guess, how important was it to still get the message through and exactly what messages were you trying to, to, to get heard? Well, I wanted to make sure that this team of queer people were not like, bootlickers for the state um, because that's like really not um, reality and it's not what it should be. So I wanted them to be rebels. So I knew that we needed to be telling a big story that's like, you know, a little bit anti-authority and a little bit of the guy, you know, the characters going rogue and having to make their own way. Um, I also like wanted to make sure that we were always balancing it with humor and with just other feelings that aren't political. Like, is the audience laughing? Is the audience turned on? Is the audience surprised? It was like, you know, there's a lot of ingredients that go into it that were just as important to me because I felt like the concept for the show is very, the DNA of it is very representation matters. And then, okay, we, you know, we crossed the hurdle of they are going to put this on TV no matter what. So now we should really be trying to have fun. Um, and let, let's just make a show that we like and let's make sure that the characters aren't just educating people about what it feels like to be X. Like you want to see them fall in love. You want to see them go home and see their families. You want to see them uh, fuck up and have to scramble. Like all the things that straight people get to do in comedies. You know what I mean? And, and I don't want to give away too much about the story here. Um, and, and it's worth saying that you know, I know we're in a different era now, but in the old days of animation, each episode was sort of its own bottled thing. This is a complete story over over 10 episodes. How did you decide, uh, or, and, and your team of writers, I assume, but how did you all decide on the story you wanted to tell in that scope? Well, I made sure to sort of like work it out or just be aware of what Netflix's launch plan was because, um, it, you know, I've worked for a lot of different shows that come out and various, you know, I've written for a lot of shows that come out one episode per week and a couple of shows that get dumped all at once. And it's a very different watching experience. Like I, I'm a television viewer, not just a writer and producer. So I know like what it feels like to binge a show as opposed to wait for the next episode. And they both have their pluses, but I knew from the beginning that Netflix's plan with this was to release all 10 episodes at once. And so that meant to me and the rest of the writers, there's a lot of writers on this show, um, that the, the most satisfying experience of watching, binge watching a 10 episode show is to have arcs that go for multiple episodes to sort of like 
make you want to watch that next episode, watch that next episode, find out what happens. Um, but also it's a comedy and it's really stupid and it's really silly on purpose. So like, I knew that we all knew, like there's no 10 episode mystery that, I, that we're going to be able to write that's going to be genius. So we broke it up into a couple. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. How does that actually change the way you write it? I mean, I guess I'm pushing you further in what you're saying here because is making it knowing that you're going to get 10 episodes that uh, I did. I watched it in two parts. You know, I, I had to sleep at one point. That was, right. I, I was, I was sort <laughs> of upset about that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I was a little bit upset about that at the time. Cause I'm like, oh, I want to keep, you know, but you can't like for you as the writer, does that really actually change the way you would write an episode as opposed to the one a week type of thing? Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, um, I used to write for Brooklyn Nine-Nine for a really long time. And like, as much as that show does have arcs that are emotional and character-based, like the, the structure of an episode, there's an ending. Almost every episode like ends with the people who were fighting during those 22 minutes, apologizing to each other and, you know, clearing the air. So that then you can start next Thursday or whatever <laughs> with a fresh story. Um, whereas on a bingeable show, you kind of want to throw something in right at the end that's like, well, wait, what? Um, so that uh, you, you know, you, you don't tie it up in a bow. Um, so that there's the momentum to want to just sit on the couch for another 20 minutes and burn through another episode. So it did, it, it affects the writing a lot. Like the end of, with no spoilers, like the end of episode four, we introduce something new right in the last 10 seconds. Um, that has nothing to do with what you just watched. Um, just as a way to like extend a hand and be like, no, stay with us. Come on, let's do this. Let's do this. And, and it doesn't feel like it's forced. It doesn't feel like a chop. Like it still feels like part of the story. So complete compliments on how you all pulled that off. Cool. Uh, <laughs> on that right there. Um, you'd mentioned, you know, as this started with the seed of, uh, of Gay James Bond and taking it further, I, I would love to hear if there were other inspirations because there were things that I was seeing like when I first started watching, I, I got what I thought was a very obvious little Archer vibe. And of course, that's a secret agent thing. Maybe that sure. you, know, you can't escape that. But there were also these jokes in there. I forget the actual line, but I think uh, one of the characters said, you know, name it what you want. And the other character said, Kelsey, I named it. And I thought, man, what a great airplane type of a, of a moment right yes. there. Yeah, I think every character I tried, you know, we tried to give them their own kind of like personality, obviously, and, and comedy game. So I think, you know, like Stat, my, one of my favorite characters on the show, you know, super low key, super blase. She's always going to have that kind of like eye rolling reaction to things. Twink's energy is up here. Deb is kind of like the adults um, and Mary's, you know, sweating. He's, he's on a treadmill. 
Um, so like they each have their own kind of like comedy games, but there was there's a lot of cultural references throughout season one. Um, we obviously, we have a big Brokeback Mountain <laughs> thing, but uh, um, we've also got uh, LA Confidential in there, Princess Diaries. <laughs> um, and uh, so there's these sort of pop culture shout outs. Um, and in terms of the genre, like, I think I looked mostly to Mission Impossible and the Jason Bourne series to sort of like, how do we plant our feet in the genre of this spy stuff? So we've got a big mystery in the middle and end of the episode. That's a real play with, playing with what I loved about Jason Bourne. And, and as far as pop culture references, uh, Deborah Winger, plays a very important role <laughs> in all of this as well, eventually. Very strange timing. You know, we wrote that like, I don't know, two, a year and a half, two years ago, and here she is in the headlines. Right, back again yeah. in more movies. Yep. <laughs> um, and, and enough can't be said about the cast. Of course, we haven't said anything about the cast yet. Uh, and the cast and the cameos, the guests on here, I mean, I, I wasn't looking anything up, but it was just like, wait a second, is that? Is that? Yeah. Is that? And it's name after... I mean, I know you've been around for a while. I know you've, you know, made a lot of friends in this industry, but it seems like every comedian wanted to be a part of this. I mean, yeah. let's hear about the first casting the main cast and then the guest cast as well. Like how are those approached and how did everybody kind of find their way in? Each character is a little bit different. Um, Sean as Agent Mary was Agent Mary from the start. You know, we developed this together for him. Um, when I'm writing, I really like to have an actor in mind um, so that their dialogue feels human and grounded um, and has like, like just isn't generic writing. So funny enough, like the character of Deb always in my head was Wanda Sykes. Um, so I, you know, she was the first person we approached um, and she, you know, my mind is still blown uh, that she said yes. Um, Matt Rogers was a writer on the show and he's who voices Twink. Um, and he's a comedian who I just have like, oh, like adored from afar for a really long time. His sample script to get into the writer's room is maybe the funniest thing I've ever read in my life. So I really wanted him at the writer's table. Um, and uh, then it kind of came time to cast and we still hadn't found our Twink. Um, and so I asked Matt to just read it at the table read. A lot of times you get writers to read uncasted parts and his take on it just was too perfect. Like it was undeniable how much that part just fit him like a glove. So that was his casting. Patty Harrison is also a comedian who I've really, really admired. Um, and we kind of cast her like against type a little bit. Like Stat is a very, subdued, very low key uh, part. Um, and Patty's comedy is nuts. Like just really like a 50 out of 10, wild experimental crazy shit. So I just, you know, wanted to see if this person who I really, really admired, what would she be like at a two out of, out of 10? And she blew my mind. And then we have a casting director, like, so, um, you know, it wasn't always me approaching people that I'm, you know, Matt and Patty, I have relationships with, but for like David Harbour or Laurie Metcalf, it was a very traditional reach out through our casting director, sent them scripts. Um, and, you know, I, uh, I have major imposter syndrome. I'll never get over it. So like, it's hard for me to say this, but it was just the, the strength of the scripts. They liked the part. Um, and uh, 
we recorded everything during like the first and second wave of COVID. So it was like actually a very like hard thing for the actors. They didn't get to go to a studio. They had to like be on a mic with a blanket over their head. And I just can't believe that we got such huge stars to uh, do that. <laughs> yeah, and it, uh, it all does sound very natural. I mean, it sounds like it's supposed to sound throughout the whole thing. So, and, and I, I do love, uh, as I mentioned, there are lots of cameos uh, you yes. know, from, from a lot of, and, and everybody, I think usually looks like themselves, a cartoonized version of themselves as far as the cameos go. So that was fun. Yeah, that was important to me. <laughs> you can tell it's you can tell it's Sam Richardson. You can you can see Niecy Nash. You can, yeah, Trace Lissette, Dan Levy. We always started with the actors' faces. Yeah, I, I do have to ask because um, uh, really quickly, you know, I, not knowing what the future holds, you know, if, if there if there's a continuation or anything in this, but I'd love to see uh, a spinoff series of, of Cobblestone if it gets its own series at some point. You so. and me both. <laughs> I, I want to know. There's so much going on. I, there I, I is so know. much, and there is so much that had to be cut for time. Like there is hours of just garbage about <laughs> Cobblestones from the notes of the writers' room. It was our great obsession. I would absolutely love to produce at least one episode of Cobblestones. <laughs> Sign me up to watch. Uh, I will definitely be there. <laughs> and the music and everything was so great. I mean, again, uh, the 10 episodes that make up this, everything was so perfect and so much fun. Uh, so much fun to watch. So, you know, congratulations. Thank you, Thank you for doing it. And, and thanks for taking the time to talk about it again. Uh, this was my pleasure. I really appreciate you watching and I'm so relieved that you liked it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll hope for a, a future for our Q-Force team. And, uh, and I can't wait to see what you're up to next as well. Thank you so much. Big old thanks to Gabe Liebman again, the new uh, Netflix series. It's called Q-Force. Thanks to you for uh, making your way here and checking out this episode, making it all the way to the end. Uh, please do hit that subscribe button before you get out of here. I put out three new interviews every single week, a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so it's a great way to keep up with all of your favorite artists, discover some new ones, know what's happening in the uh, music and film world. Again, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, NPR, Podchaser, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcast from. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. After that, head over to WFPK.org, where I do a show Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. That's an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots, including Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all three of them, at Kyle Meredith. I do hope you like and follow along. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. <laughs> it's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at wfpk.org from Louisville Public Media.